this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. everyone. Here we are with our guest, Jonathan Alzheimer. Thank you for being on the show, Jonathan. We are thrilled you're here with us. Oh, thank you. It's always a blessing to be on the show and it's fun. I love talking education, man. So anytime I get a chance to speak about education, let's do it, man. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. And, and we're pumped. We feel the energy. Um, this month, we're completely focused on really supporting teachers those most vulnerable, specifically uh, many of our new teachers, how leaders, school leaders can support them. So digging into this, TJ, why don't we first uh, tell our audience a bit more about Jonathan? Sure thing, Joe. Thank you for that. Jonathan Alzheimer is an unorthodox, energetic, and entertaining middle school teacher who refuses to live a life of limitations. He works with UFC fighters, celebrities, and clothing brands, everything he can do to get pumped in the classroom. In addition to being a passionate educator, he's an international keynote speaker and the author of Next Level Teaching. We can't say enough about the book. You have to get Next Level Teaching. It's awesome for teachers and school leaders. It was a number one new release in education uh, in Amazon March 2020, and it's still selling like hotcakes today. Jonathan teaches at a world-renowned Fred Lynn Middle School, which was featured in two documentaries, one called Relentless and one called Relentless Chasing, Chasing Accreditation. As a teacher who forged a partnership with UFC fighter and lightweight contender Paul Felder to bring a message of never giving up, fighting for their education, and empowering the students to believe in themselves, all principles that Jonathan promotes and espouses in his classroom. Alzheimer also partnered with Fear the Fighter MMA clothing brand to establish a stop bullying campaign with relentless principal Hamish Brewer. And he didn't stop there and established a relationship with Chris Drama Fap, MTV reality star and CEO of Young and Reckless to promote and build student leaders in his school. As Jonathan always says, Game changing is not a cliche motto. It's a way of life. Some talk about it while others live by it. We love that. And we're going to get started here. Jonathan, we want to begin this conversation about supporting new teachers, something Joe brought up to start the show, particularly how you can support them to become the next level teacher that you describe in your book. We want them to be that as early on in their career as possible. Um, and will you know that they're vulnerable in the first five years? Let's first describe for our audience, what do you mean when you say next level teaching? And then let's try to get that to our new teachers. Absolutely. Well, let me throw this out there too, real quick. I'm currently teaching at the Chancellor Middle School. I got to throw that out there in Spotsylvania County, brand new this year, living closer to home. I got to rep my school brand. You know, I got to do that. So to answer your question, um, next level teaching, a lot of times when people hear that, I got to kind of, I got to say this first, when people hear next level teaching, they think one, you got to be perfect. And two, you got to do stuff that's never been thought of before. 
And three, it's got to be the most insane, chaotic stuff. And I, and I can't do it because, you know, just being a teacher is stressful enough. No, next level teaching is about having a passion and energy and love for what you do and looking at what you have done and thinking, how can I make my classroom a little bit better? How can I take my lesson planning and take that to the next level and try to make what I've done a little bit better, a little bit more improved? How can I take my classroom culture to the next level, school culture to the next level? And as it relates to teachers who have been working, you know, and that's the true story, man. The first five years is tough. Shoot, man. I'm in year like 13, I think. And I, I've, it's been tough and I've forgotten how many years I've been in it. It's like a fog of lots of stuff happening, right? And so the conversation is what can we do um, for new teachers, for any teachers for that matter? And really what it comes down to is this. Number one, let's celebrate people that are coming in with a passion to make a difference in their community, passion to make a difference for kids. And then what can we do to take stuff off the shoulders of educators? You know, I think that's, that's prior, that should be priority number one. I think is like, what can we do to relieve some of the stresses, some of the pressures on educators to make what they do that's already stressful enough, make it a little bit easier. And as school leaders, that's going to be not, and the ramifications of that are going to be massive. So depending on what, you know, the thing, different things that we can talk about, you know, when you make, when you take the stress off of a teacher's shoulders, when you take something off of a teacher's shoulders, the ramifications are going to be felt in a lot of different places, how they interact with kids. And then on top of that, what they can bring to the table to make their classrooms awesome in terms of lesson planning, which means that impacts how students are going to react because rather than a classroom being boring because a teacher doesn't have time to make lesson plans, great. Now they're making their lesson plans, great. So now the kid's having fun in math, the kid's having fun in science rather than being bored. And then that changes the discipline in the school because kids aren't acting out because they're not bored in class. So there's so much to it, but it starts with taking things off the shoulders of educators. Jonathan, just to dig into that a little more, um, kind of a two-part question here. One, TJ and I totally agree with that little bit of improvement every day. We're big fans and believers in the 1% rule, just incremental, incremental growth every day, do a little bit more. So that with the idea of taking something off the shoulders, I, I do believe we got to do that as well. So in order to get that 1% more, we got to take something off the shoulders of teachers. What are some things as a teacher you're experiencing every day? You're talking to your colleagues. You're seeing it. What are some things, practically speaking, that school leaders should, you know what, get this off of their shoulder, get that off of their shoulder. This is going to help them be more effective in the classroom. Absolutely. I'll give you two. And one of them is going to be an unintentional plug for my second book coming out in the spring. You literally set it up, man. So how can I not? First off, this is not the plug. Let's stop with the, let's stop with the meaningless meetings. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like, you know, there's a time and place. A lot of meetings have to happen. Various meetings have to happen. We know, you know, the meetings that need to happen. Right. But when we have meetings for the sake of meetings or meetings to check a box, although you're checking a box and you got to do what you got to do, what you're also doing is killing the heart of your staff. Let's be honest. Like they it's like kids. The best way to put it is like when you're dealing with students, students can see through the BS better than adults can. And when a student knows you're giving them the runaround, they're checked out immediately, especially in a classroom. If they know they're doing busy work in the classroom and this is not a productive activity, this is not gonna help them or, it's, or it's, you're just trying to give them something to keep them quiet, 
they're going to check out on you and you're going to run into so many more issues because they can see through that in a second. Teachers can do the same thing. Like if there's a check the box meeting or there's just like at, at some point I'm like, man, like why are we, if there's a purpose, I'll run through a brick wall for you. If there's a purpose for a meeting, if there's a purpose for something you're asking me to do, I will do it to the best of my ability because I love my, I love my, my school. I love the people I work with. I love my administrative staff. This is just me speaking in general here, right? But when, when you're giving, when you're having teachers doing meetings for the sake of meetings or making meetings ridiculously long for the sake of doing that, what you're doing is you're wearing out an already worn out group of people. Let's be honest in the world of education right now, it's not just teachers, it's, ad, it's admin too, are worn out beyond belief, like beyond belief. So when you are like, you know what? We, we gotta have a staff meeting. We're gonna bang it out real quick, make it fast, purposeful. This is what we need to have happen. This is what we need you to do. Everybody got it, perfect, adios. Teachers respect that. And honestly, what you're gonna get, and this is not just staff meetings, this is meeting, any meeting across the board. If, if a teacher doesn't see a purpose, what you're gonna have is you're gonna have a problem. If you show up and you're like, listen, honestly, if you show up, if I show up to a meeting at your school and the, and the principal's like, you know what? We're canceling the meeting because I really, there's no need for it today. You're going to have smiles on the teacher's faces. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's something that like can be felt across the entire school, right? So that's, that's one of the things you can do is, is give value to the time of the teachers that you have. If you want teachers to have amazing lesson plans, you got to give them time, which means you can't give them a meeting for this and a meeting for this and a meeting for this, because then they don't have time to do the great stuff in their classroom. It's like for me, because I am a classroom teacher, I can give the worksheets or I can make a, an, an awesome lesson. But if I don't have time to do that, then you're going to get a worksheet. I don't want to do that. The kids don't deserve that. But if it's what has to happen, because you, you've put me into a corner where I only have so much time to make my classroom good, then that's what you're going to get. So you can't ask for give me the coolest lessons, but then I'm giving you 18 seconds of planning a day to make it happen and go to the bathroom and eat lunch standing up. So that's one of the easiest ways to make that happen. Like literally look at what you're doing. It's like a little lesson plan. Every activity, if you're, if you're a good administrator, you're asking your teachers to have a purpose for every activity that they have in the classroom. What's your standard? What's your purpose for that activity? How are you gonna assess it? Same thing for meetings. If there's a meeting or if there's a thing that you need your teachers to do, there has to be a purpose and they have to understand that. Otherwise, push it off to the side. It's not important enough. Give your teachers a minute. Now, the next thing is this. Our teachers across the nation are grasping for ideas to make their classroom engaging, right? That's a big thing. Engagement, engagement, engagement. How do we make school awesome, right? And I know there's no video with this podcast right now, but I'll tell you what, I wore this Disney shirt for a reason. Why can't school be more like Disney World? Like, meaning this, like when, when kids show up to school, that means like the attitude at Disney World is this, everybody's day has to be awesome, right? Everybody's on the same page all the time. Everybody's focus is making that day fun and enjoyable for those people that are there. School needs to be the same way. When kids show up, the primary goal is how do we get kids to love being at school today? Part of it is how we interact with kids, the relationships that we build, but all that stuff means nothing if our lesson plans aren't on point. If a classroom's boring, you could be the coolest guy in the world, coolest gal in the world, and you can make the greatest connections with kids, but you're going to lose them after the first warm-up activity, right? This is, and this is new teachers to veteran teachers, the people that have been in the game for 35 years. Now, how do we fix that? Well, as admin, this is what we need to be doing. And this is by plug for book number two. All right, I, won't, I don't want to give away too much. 
But what if, and, and my book kind of comes up with a game plan for this. What if we had a game plan for putting our minds together rather than working harder, let's work together, all right? Let's work smarter together. As a group, whether you've worked 30 years or one year, whether you're the best teacher in your school or you're like the worst teacher that's ever taught in the history of the world, you at least have one lesson plan that worked really well, one activity that was great. What if we put those together and then share them out with the staff? And I don't mean like a lesson plan that only worked for grade 11 English or a lesson plan that only worked for grade three science, stuff that's moldable that can, that can fit as an activity for multiple subject areas, stuff that's moldable that can fit multiple grade levels, all right? Now, that doesn't mean that we're handing something over to another teacher to literally just hit play on the, on the, on the button on their computer, and then they can sit in the corner and relax. That means it's an activity that you can use and modify to meet the needs of your kids, meet the needs of your content, but we're sharing ideas together. That means if I'm running out, I don't know what to teach on when, I, like I got the content, but how do I teach it? How do I make it fun and engaging? I don't have all the ideas. I can steal an idea from you guys from a book that we put together as a staff. And that starts with, Pia, what are y'all doing during your meetings? Like when I talk about making meetings purposeful, in the book, I have a conversation about that, making them purposeful. Okay, let's show up. All right, the game plan today is bring a strategy that worked in your classroom. Let's talk about it. How, how could it be moldable, molded for other content areas? All right, let's utilize that. Put this in this like playbook, so to speak. Like if it was NFL, right Right now it's NFL time, right? So if I'm showing up to play for the Giants, my team's the Giants, we're 2-0. and What's up for the first time in like 50 years? And if I'm showing up, I don't know the plays. You hand me the playbook, I can figure it out, right? If you call an audible, I know what to do, right? Same thing in a classroom. If I'm not sure what to do or I ran out of ideas, I can look in this book that we put together as a staff one time, maybe one lesson plan a month, maybe one lesson plan every six months, maybe just one lesson plan a year. But if we add to it one time for each, each grade level, each subject, I mean, that's up to the instructional coach. But really quickly, what you're going to have is literally an encyclopedia of awesomeness that we can share out and shoot. If you got a big district and you got a lot of schools and teachers to pull from, now all of a sudden we have no excuse other than to be awesome because we have so many things that we can use. And golly, I'll tell you what, if I'm a new teacher or a veteran teacher or a teacher that's, that's been teaching for a while, but teaching a new content or a new grade level, golly, it'd be so nice to all of a sudden have all these resources that I can use. And it's like, no, it's literally the perfect professional development from down the hall, utilizing the greatness in our building, the greatness in our districts, but using it together and giving it to all the staff to say, hey, now you have all these cool ideas. I'm trying to take something off your plate. Now, I'll tell you what, if, a t if an admin showed up to a meeting and was like, listen, I'm going to hand out these to all the teachers. Here's something that you can use. Man, talk about pulling weight off my shoulders. I mean, I might run up with tears in my eyes and hug my admin if they gave me that for kind of life, especially as a year one. I remember I came out of student teaching and I was like, I know how to do it all. Let's go. And after like week two, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm out of every idea for my methods course. Like what the heck, right? But if we have that, Man, talk about game changing for teachers. It's brilliant. The idea of pulling our resources into some type of repository, lesson study style, looking at each lesson uniquely. How could it be awesome? I also quote you here, why can't school be more like Disney World? That's Twitter worthy. That's going out tonight. I I wondered though, like I'm scared to death now that I'm running meetings that aren't meaningful. 
And so I wonder if you could tell us about some of the signs of that either before, during, and after the meeting so that school leaders who are listening to this can say, sure. I don't need to run that meeting like that. Maybe it's the content, the content needs to be that way or the way the meeting goes. I wanna double click on that because I, we hear it all the time that teachers are finding themselves in meetings that aren't meaningful for them, that are a time suck, that are a waste that they could be using on stuff that's better use of their time for kids and lessons, like you said, better lessons. But I don't know that leaders are doing that on purpose or they're just clueless about it. So can you say a little bit more about how we could identify that and quit doing it? Absolutely. So I think part of it too is this. I think part of it is hands being tied across the board. So before I answer your question, I think I think I want I want admin to also or leader school leaders to hear that too. Like I get it, your hands are tied, right? It's like it's like for example in a classroom. If I had to give a warm up, you're making. If I had to, like if it was something I had to do every day, you have to give a warm up and it has to be it has to look like this, and it could be the most boring thing, whatever. If I have to do it, I have to do it. I have no choice, right? But but in answering your question. So hopefully that's not the case in every scenario. To answer your question, it's gotta be like, think of it like, the best way to think of it is like, reflect on when you were a teacher in the classroom, right? Like you had an agenda for the day and you knew what you were teaching, how you're gonna teach it and how you're gonna assess it. Going back to that for a second, right? It's almost like a lesson plan. So if I'm going into a meeting or if I'm having a meeting, it should be either teaching the teacher something going over something that's very important in terms of, and, and this is the other thing I want to ask too, or the one thing I want to put out there. As a teacher, one thing that I always think about every single year, this is me, this is just me as a person, as a reflecting on my own self as a classroom teacher, is this, what kind of educator, and I put this in my keynote speech too, I, I actually challenge my, the people that hear this, and the, and the school leaders I address in a different way, so I'm going to do this twice. What kind of educator do you want to be? So for me, I, I have to answer that question. You can't say like, I want my classroom to be different or I want my school to be different, but I'm doing the same thing. So what are you gonna do and what are you gonna change, right? Same with school leadership. What are you gonna do? What, do you, what, what kind of leader do you wanna be? It, it falls under the same umbrella in terms of education, but what kind of leader do you wanna be? So what do you want your hallways to look like? What do you want your cafeteria to look like and feel like? What do you want your classrooms to look like and feel like? Then moving from there, what, and what's your culture gonna look like and feel like? Then from there, that's where I'm going to mold my meetings. They're going to have a purpose, right? Like going through the things that we need to have happen in the school building, just like routines with, just like routines with students, right? I'm not talking about necessarily routines with staff, but like they need to know like, all right, these are the expectations. This is how it's rolling. These are the things I'm seeing in the, in the class. It's like with kids too, with feedback. Like when I'm giving kids feedback on an assignment, like you did this really, really good. You did this really, really good. If I, if there's, if I got to pick something for you to work on, here's what it is. You know, at, in general, right? We're gonna have a we're gonna have a 20 minute staff meeting. So I don't want to steal all your time. Right there's check mark number one. We love you already. Number two, I'm gonna I did a couple of walkthroughs this. I did walkthroughs like crazy this week. These are the things that I saw that I love. I saw this. I saw this. I saw this. I saw this. Now, some things that I think that we probably should work on. Now, you're not calling any specific teacher out because you'll lose them in a minute. But I need to see something like this, and it depends on your school wide initiative. Every school is different, so I can't sit here and say certain things, right? But like, for example, if for me as a teacher, like 
if I'm going into my classroom, like today, I literally said this today to my class, you know what I love about you guys? When I walked into the classroom after being out in the hallway, because that's my job, I walked in, y'all had your resources out on your desk waiting for me. That's exactly what I want to see. It doesn't get any better than that. And same with, same with the admin. Like, these are the things I want to see. It doesn't get any better than that. And if there's something that needs to be addressed, then address it and then move on and then move on. Data meetings. Data is, is super important to have meetings on, right? Like if you're going to have a data meeting, but it's got to have a purpose. Like don't just have a meeting where you're just listing off the stats, right? List off the stats, but then what do you, what do you want me to do with it, right? Do you, what do you want me to do? What do we need to address? Because I'm not like, I've got so many things flowing around. Do you want me to hit writing more? How do you want me to do that? So come with a game plan, right? It's like a lesson plan for a staff meeting. Like we're having an issue here. So let's talk about when we do our writing, kids got to start hitting these areas here and give examples, right? So then teachers are sitting back and they're going, all right, man, I, I don't, like I do that really well, but I do definitely don't do that well. I need to work on that right there. And then I'm feeling like I'm getting something out of it because I'm learning. And if I'm learning, I'm okay with it. If I'm feeling like I'm getting better, I'm getting okay with it. If I think, if I feel like I'm just sitting there to sit there or stare at percentages, it means nothing. Same with data with kids. If we're not using the data to change our instruction, well, maybe, maybe that's part of the meeting that we need to have. Okay, what kinds of, what kinds of strategies can we bring to the table that work? And that's the ad, have the admin do that, all right? Here's some, here, maybe I was stalking Twitter and I found five cool lesson plans and I'm gonna show you five or three videos that are crazy. You can, here you go, you can steal a couple off of my Twitter page, right? Steal a video off of Twitter, show it to your staff, be like, how could you use this in your classroom, right? So these are all kind of different things to think about as you're going into your staff meeting where staff are gonna look at it and go, okay, I can use that idea or I can use this idea to build relationships or now I understand why we're looking at the data, not just to look at 82%. If that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense, Jonathan. I love the fact too, how that could contribute to the repository just as much. If there's great communication, we know what we're aiming towards in our school. We're building this, the administrators involved, the meeting then connects to the development of the teachers those teachers then contribute to that repository. Everybody's growing together and we're anchoring those key key areas of focus. So I think it makes perfect sense and would grow everybody. And to deliver on that too, if I'm, a, if I'm an admin and I'm just spitballing here off of what you just said, off of what I just said, if I'm, if I'm an admin, I'm gonna say, listen, like I saw this cool idea, this cool idea. Hey, would you really quickly like to come to a staff meeting next month or whatever and you, do yours, you do yours, you do yours, and we have three ideas. I'm just going to give you two minutes to explain it. I don't need a 15-page long lesson plan. I need you to give me the quick version because no one cares about the long version. Quickly, what did you do? How, how can it be moldable to anything? Like, for example, if it were me standing in front of your staff and I was part of your staff, I'd say, listen, all right, the, the activity that we did that was pretty cool was, and I'll just throw one out there that I just recently did, uh, we did... Uh, we did a thousand dollar pyramid. So we're doing review game. All right. Thousand dollar pyramid. What is it? So basically you have two partners and you have vocab or review behind on the board. And I could show an example and it says like the, I'll just make it up here. Pearl Harbor and you know, different, different major events or battles. And you got to get, you got to get the other person to say it. So you're giving clues. First event that got America involved in world war two or this, or this, or this. And the other person's 
ripping off answers and they're gaining points, right? But it's literally a way to get kids collaborating or working, or here's an idea I got used to get kids writing, or here's an idea I got to get kids do whatever in math, like make it quick, make it concise, make it meaningful. And as a staff, listen, your job today is this, sit down, listen to these three for the next three minutes of pop. And then I want you to write down how you can use this in your classroom. And then when you go back to your PLCs, all right, how can you use this in your classroom? Are you going to use it? What, what topic could you use for this? Or how can you mold it to fit the needs of your kids? Now, all of a sudden you're showing up with a game plan. People are spitting real fire and there's real, like there's real actually usable strategies that we can use. And now I know what you want me to do when I leave. Like this sounds like a classroom, not a staff meeting to me. Jonathan, great stuff. I love how we, we went full circle with that. You know, I want to dig into really what makes you tick as a teacher, as a professional, the work you do. Our listeners love to hear this. Your passion and energy are infectious. Um, I'm feeling a little more energized right now, and we're, we're on Zoom for Pete's sake, and I'm feeling it. You know, what's, you know, who's someone, a person, an individual, or group um, who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration, and where could we find them? <laughs> Man, I would say that's a tough question. That I honestly, <laughs> one person that's tough to answer. I mean, that's really tough to answer. I'll spit some names. How about that? I'll throw that's some works. names out there, some guys that you can look at, and different people like that. Uh, I'll, and I'll just start ripping them off. Um, if you're into student engagement and hooks and how to make your classroom and lesson plans cool, Dave Burgess. If you're into leadership and culture, Jimmy, Jimmy Cassis. Uh, Hamish, Hamish Brewer's got fire for you for days. Um, I mean, we could keep going with, with the different folks that are involved in, in, in terms of the, the energy and passion and love for education. But for me, it's, I'm looking at uh, people that are gonna give me whatever my, if I'm a leader, school leadership, I'm looking at school leaders. If I'm a teacher, I'm looking at teachers. And for me, it's those guys um, that kind of fire me up and give me some ideas. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the, the, the list of people on, if you're, not in, if you're not on Twitter, the list of people on Twitter, I mean, you could literally just scroll down Twitter and find idea after idea. And the best thing is this, because I, I hate just saying like a couple of names, to be honest with you, because what I love is you could have someone who is even a first year teacher that they spit some knowledge on Twitter and I'm stealing ideas, and this is just the straight truth, so I'm really not giving you a great answer to this question, but I'll see a new teacher or a new leader that is either puts out a powerful quote that makes me question what I'm doing or a cool idea that I'm like, you know what, if I just shift this one thing, that might work really well in my classroom. So it really kind of depends on who you are and, and, and what you're into, but if you're not on Twitter, you need to get on Twitter, you need to follow a bunch of people, and you need to start learning from folks especially who you got to be pinpointing like if you're a teacher pinpoint teachers if you're a school leader pinpoint school leaders and then also actually i'm gonna say this too if you're a school leader you need to pinpoint teachers too because you need to be the one stealing their ideas bringing it back to your staff meetings and giving them to your staff and if you don't follow me you can follow me too there you go we'll link to you in the show notes plus dave plus jimmy plus hamish and definitely go on twitter i love that idea of having admin steal strategies from teachers on Twitter to share with their teachers. So Absolutely. that's, that's uh, wisdom in and of itself. We hear it all the time. 
on this show that people who aren't on Twitter need to get on Twitter to learn, share, create, um, and build their network. And so we can't emphasize that enough. Thanks for sharing that. And our one thing series questions don't always need to be one thing. You can do two or three or four or as many as you'd like. And so you do bring that, like Joe said, infectious energy. You're constantly trying to better yourself as a teacher. I can see that myself on Twitter. I love it when you share videos of the kids in the classroom and the things that they're doing. If you were going to give advice, particularly to new teachers, but to anybody in education, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that can make a difference in their day or life? So I'm going to do a couple things here. So, I mean, I'm not going to give you one if that's all right. Number one, I'm going to go back to that whole Disney World thing. Why can't school be more like Disney World? Um, because as a father of two little girls, one of them, I got my kinder, I got my five-year-old in kindergarten, my nine-year-old in fourth. And I'm thinking if my daughter's coming into your school, whether you're a school leader or a teacher, you know, oftentimes we're seeing, we're seeing teachers and it's, and it's just natural. Like, oh man, it's, it's, how's it going today? Oh, another day in paradise. Like that's not something a kid should ever see, but I mean, it's really natural. It kind of rolls off our shoulder or rolls off our tongue. Right. But number one, like, let's make sure every kid, like you're smiling. You, you want, let's put it this way. Passion and energy are contagious. So if you want kids to be motivated to learn, then we need to be motivated to teach and lead. And that starts with the first moment they see us, man. I'll tell you what, like the first time I see somebody, the first time I see a, my admin, when I walk in, if they're smiling, like, Hey, Mr. A, I'm happy to see you. What's up. I'm exhausted, but I had eight cups of coffee. Cause I couldn't wait to see you today, man. I'll tell you what, that goes a long way. And even if a student walks by you and acts like they don't give a crap, they really do. That's a lie. You're chipping away at them and you're going to break them down until they can't help but give you nooks and they can't help but say what's up. And then it goes into the classroom, right? And you're breaking it down for them. Right. And then the other thing is this, when you're doing your lesson plans, try to try to look at what you already do and think, how can I make this a little bit cooler, a little bit better, a little bit more engaging? How can I think outside the box just a little bit? Nothing crazy. You don't have to build rocket ships and go to outer space, right? But how can I take something and make it a little bit cooler so that kids are engaged? How can I get kids up and moving around the room? How can I get kids? How can I take a worksheet and turn it into an activity? One thing I did, I got this from my wife. I'll throw this out there for any admin listening or any teacher listening. I call it the bag game. I'm about to throw a video out on Twitter here shortly where literally I took a worksheet, cut it up into strips, put them in sandwich bags around the room. I took a worksheet that was review and boring where kids were sitting at a desk. And now I got kids in table teams and they have to go over to their bag really quickly, get it, hustle back to their desk. And I give them a time limit just to make things interesting. And all of a sudden they're writing their answers down, but they're moving to get the, it's literally like I'm taking a worksheet and cutting it. I'm not buying anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm literally getting kids moving around. And the fact that I put a time limit on it that even they can always beat. Now kids are like, oh, we gotta hurry up. And I, now they're looking in their notes and they're doing their work and it's literally just cutting a piece of paper. So look outside the box, think how you can make something that's simple, something simple that can get kids engaged in the learning process. Jonathan, you had a lot of success in the classroom, you've also had a lot of success speaking in different ways in which to really make connections for kids. You told us in the beginning of the interview, you made a recent switch um, to another school. Congrats on that. Um, what's something you would like to do? One thing that you haven't done already in the future? Man, let's see. This could be anything. Yeah. Anything. anything? Jeez. Well, let me see. Let me see. 
I, I mean, I, I have, I have mountain climbed, I've whitewater rafted, I've fought in a cage, I've done all this crazy stuff. My wife is like, you need to stop, stay alive. If I could do one thing that I'll probably never be allowed to do ever, but I would love to do it is to dive with great white sharks, like in a cage. So I don't get, so I'm not like breakfast, but if I could do that, let me tell you what, if my, if there was a cage right here and y'all were like, you could do it. My wife gave me the go ahead. I'd be in the water. Real quick on that. Um, I've not been in a cage with great whites in the Bahamas. I have been in the water with probably 30 or 40 sharks with my kids. They drop something very low. It's like a magnetic pulse. And they're, they were about probably 20 yards below us. I have great video. We're just on the surface looking down, but I will say it is, it's intimidating because they're all, they're all swarming underneath you. That must uh, have been wife, insane. Yeah, my wife stayed in the boat. She would not come out, but my, my two nieces and two of my three sons um, were in the water with me. Ton of fun. Scary, but a ton of fun. Imagine, and you know what, man, like a little fish looks a whole lot bigger when it's right next to you. Can I can't imagine a shark. Shark week, like that's shark week times 100. That'd be so neat. I'll tell you something else crazy we do sometimes is we're big Delaware Beach fans. So we'll go shark fishing at night once in a while. Paddle the, the tuna belly way out into the ocean. Drop it down. Pull in some nice size sharks. It's just, I don't want to dive with sharks. Uh, you can have that. I'm not going to do that with you. It's enough for me to just get in the water because you can't beach these things to get in the water with Joe and some other grown adult men making a decision to get in the water with a live shark with a hook in its mouth to try to get the hook out to let it go. And uh, while that thing's flopping around, I'm as scared as it can be. I'm not going in the cage. I'm not doing light pulses or whatever he just said. You guys can keep that for yourself. Man, I love it. I love it. And I, I don't know where y'all beach at, but my family, my, my wife's family, my family go to Rehoboth Beach, and that place is awesome. So that yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, we love Rehoboth. We're just south of there in, uh, in Bethany. And so that, those are the beaches. They're beautiful. Don't tell yeah, anybody. Um, <laughs> so no, you're – I wanted to get to this question, Jonathan, you're a successful teacher, you're a successful speaker, you're writing books, but you have to, you can't pour from an empty cup. So how do you keep yourself? What's the thing that you do that helps with your growth? You said, go on Twitter, you name some people, but how do you support your own growth as a, as a teacher, as a leader in education to make sure that you're still getting what you need to be your best? Yeah. So for me, man, this, this answer might just be, I mean, boring, but it, you know, it might be, it's this man. Like I just reflect a lot on what I do. Like I am very critical about what I do. I've always been that way as a young kid, I was playing sports and I always looked at the kids ahead of me and thought, how can I be that good? If I'm not that good, then I need to get better. And as an educator, that's just kind of what it is. And, and I reflect on it every year, every summer. And I'm very tough on myself. Like I'm very tough on myself. Um, but not in a bad way. I'm tough on myself in a, in a, like a competitive way, always trying to better myself. Like you mentioned the, in the show, 1% better each day. But with that being said, I always think back on my why. And for me, originally the why was, and, and that sounds really cliche, like, oh, everybody talks about their why. Well, I mean, you really do need to think about that often, like, especially on your toughest days when you're driving to work and you're like, I don't want to freaking go. 
You need to literally click back and go, what's my why? Why am I doing this? What's my purpose? And for me, I have a passion to make an impact on the lives of kids, period. And part of that is my own growing up and what I dealt with when I was going through school. And part of that is now morphed into, I got two little girls. What do they deserve? And, and honestly, that's one of the biggest things for me. When I need to reset my mind and I need to make sure that like, I'm, I'm right, I need to think about my girls. For me, for me, that's just for me. What, what, do I, what do my girls deserve? Now I'm looking around the classroom and I'm thinking like every kid's my kid, whether they're in the front row, back row, out in the hallway, whether it's a kid I don't even teach. What if that was my kid that was walking the hall like a ghost and no one was paying attention to all day? What if, what if I'm the one person that's going to hit up that kid and just say, what's up, right? What if, what if that kid's in my classroom? What if my daughter's in my classroom? What's my class look like for her today? What does she deserve? And so when I think like that, it, it, that literally changed my philosophy on education and how I handle things. And also how I kind of, how I kind of reset my mind. So that I realize, like, you know what, this is not some, this is not just some job for me. It's not for me. It's not, it's not just some job where I go for a paycheck because my paycheck is weak. All of our paychecks are pretty weak. So I realized that I have a bigger purpose. And honestly, I'm going to hit you with this one too. I had somebody say to me one time, they said, you know what, I'm jealous of you. And I said, why is that? They're not in education. And I said, why is that? And they go, because at the end of the day, when you're, when your life's over, essentially, when your work life's over, you can look back and look at all the things that you did and you made a difference. It might've been hard. It might've been grueling, but you know, you made a difference. And they said, you know what, when I look back, I'm not really sure I'm making any difference at all. And that literally affected them in a way so much so that they make more money than me, but they were to look at me and they were like, I'm jealous of you. So for me as an educator, I got to put that conversation in my mind and realize, you know what? I do make a difference. It might be tough. And you know what? The kid who cussed me out yesterday might be the kid who comes back in four years and it's happened many times. That's like, thank you so much for not giving up on me. That's why we do what we do. And that needs to be our reload reset button every, every time things get tough. Because what we do as educators is purposeful, it's meaningful, it's impactful. And we got to realize that what we do is we grow kids and we take that little piece of something in their heart and we grow it into something massive where they want to be a scientist, write a book, be a mathematician, be this, be that, be whatever. And a lot of times it's a kid who might've had all this, all the support in the world at home, but didn't want to hear it from their parents that it needed to hear from you or you or their math teacher or their English teacher, or maybe we lit a fire in them to do something that they didn't even think they could do. And it just comes from that mindset shift. And for me, it's my kids and, and, and just completely going back to my why, what's my purpose, what's my focus. And the idea of self-regulating, reminding yourself, giving yourself a, a checkup from the neck up, as some say. Let's uh, conclude one final question, Jonathan. What's one thing that you used to think that you don't anymore? Yeah, awesome question. I'm going to give an answer that everybody's going to be like, what the heck? I used to think test grades matter. And let me, let me be careful with that question because a lot of people are like, whoa, <laughs> this is what I mean by that. So often we have kids that come into our classrooms and they have been pegged as a failure in their own mind from, from the test grades that they got growing up. Because for us as educators, data has been kind of thrown at us our whole lives and it's important and it, and it, and it influences our, our teaching practices, right? But what we do is we got to get your high state test scores or you're a failure teacher. No, that's not the case. Growth is what matters. And as an educator, as I'm dealing with kids, sometimes, and this is what happened to me as a student myself, so I can speak from personal experiences, but 
what happens is you have kids that are coming into your classroom. And I had a student one time that said to me, actually said to said this to me, she said, um, the very first time I met her, she said that uh, I go, what's your motivation? Like, she goes, not very good. I said, why? And she was just very blunt about it. And I respected it. She goes, um, everybody thinks I'm going to fail. So I just don't try. And so I was like, you know what? I respect that. How about this one? If you give me every single thing that you can give me and, and, and you have to talk about it, it means this, it means effort and is in everything that you do from the way you walk to lunch to how you carry yourself to how you set your warm up up to your heading on your paper, whatever it is, whatever you want to look like in your classroom and in your school. And I go through all of it with my kids constantly. But and I and I address it on everything. Like if uh, you said you're going to give me effort, but you did this, this and this, but you didn't do the studying part. Right. So all these different things, I don't care what your test score is. I'm going to put my arm around you from a distance because it's COVID and say, I'm proud of you. That's what matters. And all of a sudden you have this shift in kids' mindsets where now they're working so much harder for you because you, they're not just a data number. They're not just a test score. Because as often as we'll say, hey, good job, good try, Johnny and Sally or whoever, like they can read your facial expression. So if, unless you really believe that, they're going to read that more than anything else. And I had kids already this year that did every single thing I asked of them and they didn't get the test score that they think they deserved, well, and that they wanted to earn because of all the work that they did. But I said, you know what? You gave me so much effort. Like, look at what you did. It was amazing. And I'm proud of you for that. And we're going to continue to work on these things and work on our study habits and get better. And what you're going to have is a kid like me who didn't know how to study, struggled through school, and eventually is going to get it. But what you don't want to have is you don't want to have a kid quit in seventh grade, eighth grade, shoot, fourth grade, and completely like just sit in the back corner, not give a crap because they think that every teacher is just going to see them as a C plus student. That's not fair to them. It's not fair to any kid in that walks into the building. So for me, that's the game changer. You're going to earn an A or you're going to earn an F. You earn what you earn. All right. But if you give me that effort every single day, I'm proud of you. And that test score is never going to change that. The effort that you give is what's going to change that. There you have it, man. Effort is the game changer. We want to motivate uh, our instructors our students we want to inspire them and lo and behold when we don't focus on those scores they go up so i'm sure those kids are going to be awesome by the end with all of their competencies and reaching their academic success because we focused on motivation and effort and not this outcome that can be uh just quite frankly not so meaningful to anyone anymore Jonathan, this is awesome. You really brought it this evening. Listeners are going to get a ton from this. I've got pages of notes here myself. The first thing I'm going to do is get on Twitter and steal some teacher uh, activities so that I can share them with uh, my own staff tomorrow. Is there anything else that you would like to add or conclude with uh, for the One Thing series listeners today? The only thing I'm going to add is this, man. Remember your purpose. And wake up every day and, and bring it for your kids and understand your focus is to make kids love school. And if they love school and they love showing up to your classroom, then you're doing a hell of a job. Thank you for that. There you have it, folks. Remember your purpose. Show up every day for kids. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, video blogs, books to read, and more always on the topic of leadership. We hope you enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can support new teachers build better culture, not have bad meetings, and much more with Jonathan Alzheimer. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Hey, leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our candid and compassionate feedback masterclass. 
Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time, and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today. Mm -hmm.